Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Welcome back to Elevate Your Event Podcast, where we talk about all the many ways that you can make your fundraising event better. And today, we're going to actually talk about the bottom half of an event budget called the cost structure. You know, and so we put together a budget where thing everybody talks about how do I make more money? How do I make more money? Well, there are some things that you would put into the cost side that will make you more money, but there's also some things that you can consider on the cost side that will just increase profitability. So they may not have a direct impact on revenue, but they will definitely have a direct impact on what you're going to take to the bottom line and contribute to the organization. So anyway, We've got a, a packed studio here today, <laughs> and I'm super excited to introduce Carrie Porter. Hello. <laughs> it was not an easy task to get her to join us, but she is an event <laughs> budget expert. And so it took a little persuading. It's going to cost me a lot. If you guys are married, you understand what that means. I will, I will have to pay for it later. But anyway, we're happy to have <laughs> Carrie on the podcast with us. And then we've got Elise Druckenmiller. Say hello, Elise. Hello, Elise. (laughs) (laughs) Elise manages our client services division, but she also runs a number of fundraisers. And so along with Elise and one of the fundraisers she runs, we brought in another special guest. He's a return guest. He's the one, if you're looking at ways that you can blow your budget, this is the guy. So we talked about this. We're like, hey, we're going to do one on event budgeting. She's like, well, we need to bring in Mike Pappy if we're going to talk about ways to blow your event budget. So anyway, no, we're just picking on you. You got to spend money to make money. That's That's right. right. We're just picking on you. So Mike Pappy is back. Mike is the founder, and I don't know if your title is the executive director, but he definitely runs a show at the One Goat (laughs) Foundation. And so One Goat does an annual golf tournament in Gala. And so we've attended it for several years, and we've always had conversations with Mike about Hey, how do you take this thing to the next level and, and, and where do you spend money? And, and I will tell you, your golf tournament is just, in terms of swag and sponsorship and everything else, is just one of the best that we attend on a yearly Thank basis. You. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree. So I know you have a lot to contribute and not just about how to spend too much money, but also how to be smart about it mm-hmm. as well. Well, awesome. Okay. So let's, let's break this down, right? So we're talking about event budgets, right? You've got, let's just start with the basics, like the venue. Okay. So obviously you're picking a venue based on a number of factors. What's available. Okay. Mm-hmm. How big it is. Yep. You know, what their terms are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what else, what else would be a factor in how we would pick out a venue? Location, well, probably. Location, timing, time of the year, weather. Sure, yep. Yeah. Services they provide. Yeah. So you're looking at all those factors and that's all going to come down to a price. But there's more than just the rental cost, right? This is what we were just talking about earlier. So let's talk about you pick a venue that allows you to bring in donated alcohol. So what's the process for getting the alcohol donated? How hard is it? And you know what 
what typically are the are the challenges and the benefits of doing that? So we're gonna we're gonna turn this one over to Carrie because this is her yeah. area of expertise. Yeah, we've we ran a Kentucky Derby fundraiser and we've been to many different venues here and <laughs> locally in Colorado. And I mean, obviously, some are more. I think willing to work with you and easier to work with when it comes to donated alcohol. You know, some make it really hard for you to get that alcohol. But a lot of it, you just have to look at the local laws and what they require. A lot of them require it come from a distributor with a $0 invoice. It has to be delivered directly. So there are some hoops you have to jump through. Some will charge you a small corkage fee. You know, that's kind of how they get their money back. But in the end, it if you can get alcohol donated, it definitely makes your ability to just have alcohol included in your ticket prices affordable and Hey, when people drink, they often spend more money. So that's so our it goal. can get it, if you're going to a hotel, like it's very unlikely that you're going to bring in donated alcohol. So those per drink costs can get high, especially if you're going to do an open bar. Yep. Right. So these are all the considerations you take into into account. And and I would say for us, for our derby fundraiser, when we moved it out of our house, and and our we allowed donated alcohol at our home. By the way, we were that generous <laughs> to ourselves. So. But when we moved it out, that was a factor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do they have a liquor license? Are they going to less bring in donated alcohol? Because we want to have an open bar. We don't want guests at this type of event. I think you would agree with this, Mike, because you're kind of a high-end guy. I don't want my guests who just spent $500,000, $2,000 going to the bar and paying 7 bucks for a beer, right? Right. You well, know? I think I think when you're – you're even set your ticket prices that way too, right? right? right. So. They know that they're buying a ticket. They're going to get the meal. We can talk about food in a minute. But when, when they come there and they expect an open bar mm-hmm. or, or that's just an additional caveat to them, that's a huge selling point when they're coming in there. They don't want to have to worry about another thing that they're paying for because yep. you want them focusing on the fundraiser. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So we would look for places that had the ability to let the alcohol be done. Yeah. And there are a few places, which I think there's probably becoming less, but some places don't even have a liquor license and then they'll let you get your own special events permit. And then, you know, I've applied for those. That makes, yes, that makes getting the donated alcohol easier, but there's not, most places have some sort of liquor license or they require you to work with one of their vendors. Yeah. Well, and, and, and with that said, too, we hold ours at the uh, the Hilton Inverness right mm-hmm. here in Englewood, and they work with a lot of the, the vendors that we work with that donate the alcohol, so that makes it easy. So when you just oh, say you it's, it's at yeah. the Inverness, oh, that's easy enough that we've, we've worked with them before. They're probably, you're their second delivery that week for a different event or a wedding or something to that effect. So if you're working on a venue and they allow you to bring in your own alcohol or donated alcohol, and you don't know of somebody that will donate it, you can simply ask their event coordinator who they worked with in the past, reach out, tell them about your charity, and see if you can get the alcohol donated. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Because everyone, the distributors go to certain locations. Right. So the $0 invoice, what does that mean? They just want to make sure like you haven't bought the alcohol at wholesale cost and then have it delivered to the venue. So $0 invoice means that the distributor or... It can also be the manufacturer, you know, so like Coors could donate it, but then the distributor is the one that has to bring it to the venue. And when they bring it to the venue, they have to show that this, I am giving this at $0 to this organization at your venue. Okay. 
I can't just put on a core shirt and hat and show up with the no. Well, we tried that one. (laughs) We tried that one, actually. That's what you do when you're picking up the extra alcohol. That's right. That's after the event. Well, here's the downside. That's another part. And again, this could be so at at venues where we've done this, where you've had the zero dollar invoice. In some cases, they keep whatever you don't drink. That is true. And and what a nice bonus to them, I tell you what. Which is why I got into side topic, by the way. But let's just go there for a second because it's I'm still mad about it. When they cheat your guests out of drinks, mm-hmm. right? It it made me mad because I'm thinking, wait a second, like you have plenty of bourbon for mint juleps. Why are you pouring these really weak mint juleps? You know and. My opinion is because they want to keep the rest of this bourbon that I got donated, which is really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, that is a bit of a downside. But it's the but same that's time. not everywhere, by the way. Yeah. Inverness doesn't yeah. keep it. They're, oh, they're yeah. not. They're not allowed to keep it or resell it. That's awesome. With that zero yeah. dollar invoice, okay. they need that. They need the uh, distributor to come pick it up. Right. Pl- plug for the Hilton Inverness. Yep. I like yep. that. There mm-hmm. you go. So anyway, but I think that that is important. And again, if you're running a dry event, then just ignore everything we just said <laughs> for the last eight minutes and fifty seconds. But I think, you know, we always get this question about alcohol, and I think that's an important one. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do a cash bar, just decide what kind of event you're having. Hey, look, you're having a concert, and everybody paid 50 to 75 bucks for a ticket. Do a cash bar. I mean, at that point, I don't think people are expecting open bar. But if you're going to have a higher-end event, and you're having people buy $1,000, $2,000, I mean, at our event, we had $5,000 tables. <laughs> it, they're, they're not going to love the idea of you having them pay per drink. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally and the other, great. I think if you need to compromise, you can do like a, you know, two hour happy hour and then becomes cash bar, you know, kind of figure out a happy medium where or you're not losing money. Drink tickets to cap yep. kind of what you're paying out or yeah. just beer and wine is free and, yep. Yep. and then pay the for mint alcohol. juleps are strong and expensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. No, I think that that works. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've talked about alcohols. So let's, let's, let's dive into food. Okay. And the reason we started with alcohol, obviously, because it's connected to the venue. And guess what else is connected to the venue? Catering. Mm -hmm. Right? Because in most cases, the venue either is their own caterer, if it's a hotel, or they have a list of approved caterers that they will, I think, in most cases, only work with, would you say, or just recommend or... Yeah, I think it depends. A lot of times it's ones they recommend. I mean, if you really had somebody else you wanted to use, I think some venues might entertain that but i think they like working with companies they know have the insurance know the kitchen they know how they operate you know so i think a lot of them usually those lists are pretty extensive though so there's kind of a price range for everybody yep and then so then it comes down to you having to interview caterers and decide which one yeah yep. and that would be a combination of obviously are they available and then what do they cost maybe what kind of service are you getting and we've been through a variety of these, you know, even at our own event. But, you know, we've gone the full service catering route. And those people come in and they bring in – I maybe it's a – it depends on the venue. But sometimes the caterers bring in the tables and chairs. Sometimes the venue has the table and chairs. But mm-hmm. anyway, between the two of them, they've worked out who's doing what. And they will put the tables and chairs and the tablecloths down if it's a seated event or even, you know, kind of a, a buffet or a station event. But – in those cases there, what are the what are the factors that really drive catering costs, from your opinion, besides, besides the menu? I mean, obviously, there's steak is more expensive than chicken, but, but what else do you see? Staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
the staff for them to come and to serve it. A lot of a lot of full service like catering, they you have to have their staff, and so mm-hmm. I feel like that's usually one of the bigger costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, and I guess Mike, I'd ask you when we've done outside caterings, I feel like the menu, like the food, is pretty reasonable you're like oh yeah fifteen dollars is you know nineteen dollars a person for this great meal that's awesome then you get your bill oh but you need six cater you know six staff at twenty five dollars an hour blah blah and your staff becomes more than your food now i think hotels a lot of time they just bundle Mm -hmm. that all in right so you have Mm -hmm. a higher food cost but the staff is included with it. Is that true or not? Yeah, that's all part of it. The, but we, when we use a venue that does that with the services of the staff and the catering all in there, they give you a minimum budget, right? So okay. it depends on, so for example, for our flip-flop gala, you know, it's a $65 food plate, but we're going to, we are guaranteeing them to pay 25 grand. And it's on a Saturday night. It's in June, so that we're we're competing with weddings. So we have a minimum that we have to spend. Interesting. So that that also elevates how many people do we want showing up at the event mm. because we have to hit that minimum. Mm-hmm. Now, can can alcohol be in that too? Or? It could be. Okay. It could be if we want it. It's it's it's, all, it's almost right. a total cost, right? Okay. Yep. And we also hold a golf tournament there the next day, and for that we have a food truck, and for mm-hmm. the food truck I just tell those guys minimum or maximum of, of $11 a plate. And you're going to serve maybe 200 people at the golf tournament. So I know what my budget's going to be at that point. And does Inverness care that you have a food truck? No. And part of the reason they don't, like you said, they, they want to make their money somehow. But because we do the gala the night before, we use their catering, mm-hmm. we satisfy all of that Got it. F&B budget that you have to have if you're going to run an event. So that opens up flexibility for the second turn or the second event that we have on the following day. Got it. Yeah. So that's one way to do it. So, you know, we were able to bring in burritos cheaper than the Inverness, yeah. Inverness can do it. We bring in the food truck cheaper than the Inverness could could provide lunch. And that helps keep our costs down. But I think, as you guys know from your events, when you run a food truck, that food is exceptional. Yeah. And especially mm-hmm. for the price you're paying per right. person is even better. Well, well we- yeah, I was going to say. So, and again, this goes back to the time of year and stuff. Because, you know, food trucks obviously lend themselves very well to outdoor events. You know, obviously inside, it's not, you're not going to make your desk, oh, go outside in the middle of winter. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> but we've, so for, you know, an out- event we did that was outdoors, had several different food trucks. And, you know, even had the food trucks do a limited menu. And what we did is we guaranteed, so we kind of guaranteed the food trucks a minimum as well. And we said, have it pretty much prepared so that when people come, it can be quick and they're not waiting in line a long time and there's some variety. And that worked out so well. And the cost of that was a lot cheaper than even a full service catering for the same amount of food. So I really think the food trucks, if you have an outdoor venue or a place you can do it, really people like it. The food is great and the cost is cheaper. Let's talk order magnitude here. And I'm not going to put you on the spot, the exact numbers, but so say our 300 person gala that we used to do catering wise, how much was that roughly? 15,000. 15? 15 to 18,000 with a full service caterer. Okay. I think you could do food trucks for five to 7,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I would also say this, that the thing about food trucks is their food is really good. That's mm-hmm. how they make their, their living. And that's what they're out there doing. Catering is, is good, but it is 
you know, it can be high-end, really good catered food. We do a plate of dinner at our event. Mm-hmm. But it's been also expressed to me that that's not why people are at the event, not for the food. Right. So that is one of the areas I don't spend a lot of money or I don't go top shelf is the food. Mm-hmm. We can get by with chicken, chocolate cake, you know, and, and enjoy the meal, but you're not there for the meal. That's just kind of to, you know, give you a little bit of a break between here and there. That's, right. The food's not where... Except for the food at your golf tournament is awesome. Well, but but again, <laughs> that's the food truck. That's, that's the, the food, food truck, truck, right? That's 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 the food truck, and that's huge. Now, yeah. for our plate of dinner, you know, we don't. That's not where we put our funds. Right. And, and no offense, but I don't even remember what you serve at your plate of dinner. So that just kind of tells you you're going right down the middle of the fairway with. That I one. didn't yeah. remember what we served last year either. Until yeah. it was <laughs> Me either. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I, at our derby events, I always did. And then, and then you know, that became a, an auction item for us because, like, one year I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, like, I don't really like this food. Like, I don't like what we're serving. And it's no offense to the caterer. I mean, obviously, we picked it out. It was well prepared. I just didn't like it. Then I come to find out that my wife and her sister are <laughs> making all the decisions on catering. So me and another guy decide we're going to go, you know, and, and join this tasting. Well, Mike, this thing is like... It's like a five-course <laughs> meal. You show up, they hand they you a fun. drink. <laughs> they hand you a drink. No wonder it's eighteen thousand dollars. Yeah. They hand you a drink, and they and these chefs just come out with plates, and you're tasting them all. And then I was like, I if within five minutes I knew exactly what the problem was, as my sister-in-law kept saying, like, "Oh, I don't like goat cheese. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like it. get rid of all the menu items with those things on it." I'm like, "No, <laughs> absolutely not." So then I was like, "You know what? This should be an auction item." That two people should get to come and sit here and get a five-course That's a really meal. good idea. It was fun. But uh, either way, I sidetrack on that. But <laughs> but it was, you know, I, I now see why it was eighteen or $1,000 yeah. or so. I do think if you have a more casual outdoor event, the food trucks mm-hmm. save way to you go. a lot of money. Yeah. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Any other things on food? All right, let's move on. I, I, I We're going to save the best for last. Let's move on to the entertainment. <laughs> So depending on what you're doing, are you having live entertainment? Are you not? A, audiovisual, either way, are you, th- are you throwing something up mm-hmm. on screens? Um, what does that look like? These are all things that you got to factor in. And for us, we ran a Kentucky Derby event. So audiovisual was kind of important because we had to show a live, you know, horse race that only lasts two minutes. So you didn't have a lot of time to screw up. <laughs> <laughs> so everything had to kind of work in a certain way. And then when we moved outside, the type of screens you used became mm-hmm. critical. Right. Because when you're and inside. Expensive. And, yeah. ex- <laughs> and more expensive, but co- way cooler for sure. But anyway, in terms of AV, if you're not a technical person, I know it can be overwhelming to see this quote and ask yourself, well, am I getting screwed here or not? You know, do I really need all of these things? And so you're going to need to, you're going to need to maybe get a couple of quotes and, you know, obviously, you know, leverage input from other charities. If you're in Denver, we can certainly give you advice. I would give you advice outside of Handbit. I'd just give you personal advice because I, I don't want to, you know, make this some sort of Handbit recommendation, but there are some really good players out there and this stuff does add up quickly. And mm-hmm. you're looking at all this equipment on a list and you're saying to yourself, I don't even know what that thing is. Right, like do I a, need that? Right, right. right. Microphone and splitter and whatever, and you know. So anyway, it's that that can become a problem. But I would say, you know, at one venue we used, we were at the cable center. The AV was included, but the guy wasn't. 
Remember? So yeah, we, we did have to pay to have someone run it. That was yeah. same at Infinity Park. You had to pay for the AV technician. And that team was probably the best. So when we yeah. went to Infinity Park, their entire venue was built around their AV system. And we had to pay this. Now, we had to pay for certain things. And this is where we get into blowing the budget. Because I would be the one that would go to, to do the review with the AV team. And then and I was like, she's like, I was like, wow, what are all those cool lights all around the edge? She goes, oh, we just had a prom. Those are up lights. That's like a $500 charge. I'm like, yeah, we want I'm those. like, no, we don't need those. <laughs> I, I didn't invite notice. her. I did not invite her to this meeting. <laughs> we, we, well... Speaking from our event is we have to use what the hotel gives us, yeah. and it's their cost. It's it's a line item. It's a necessary expense, even mm-hmm. though it's 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 the one expense I look at every year and just <laughs> shake my head. But you have to do it. You need mm-hmm. it. You don't have a choice there, do you? No, we don't. I mean, no, we yeah. did. We did this year though. We're bringing in a DJ this year, so we're going to be able to use their sound. Oh. So we kind of negotiated them knocking some of the cost off, but for the for the screens that we're using, the projectors, we've got to use their equipment. Yeah, I think hotels get, their costs get outrageous yep. with AV, and it's not even that good of equipment. But I, I see the, you know, the pickle you're in yep. with that one. You know, for us, we ended up moving to, out of Infinity Park, we moved to another venue in town, and we had to provide our own. And that, I will tell you, that was probably our first bad AV experience I just yeah. didn't, I mean, it was expensive. I, I couldn't, the screens were dark because they were rear projection and we were in this really bright facility and I just felt like the guys just didn't do much. Oh, I, they did one thing. They stole one of our tables <laughs> to put their AV equipment on. So we were short a table that someone paid for that I had to go replace. But, you know, other than that, you know, it, it just didn't blow me away and the bill was, you know. Yeah, it was expensive. $12,000 or something. That is the problem. And I think yeah. when you come to AV, you don't necessarily, you know, it comes down to a little bit of who shows up to run it that day. How much do they know? And again, like, is this equipment good? And you don't really know until you're there and there's not a lot you can do. Not. You know, you're kind yeah. of at their mercy for sure. Even if your venue recommends them, you should vet them out and get some opinions from others. I think one of the challenges is people like the four of us that are looking at these budgets and hiring these companies, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we are not AV experts, right? We are right. a lot of things, but we are not that. And when you look at it and you see the breakdown of it all, you're like, they say, I need to have it. I guess I got to have it. Yeah, and right. sometimes it's like, okay, the screens. We needed to have the screens. But had those screens even been tested in the venue? Right. Clearly not. Had the sound? No. Right. right. Well, they can't come bring all this stuff and set it up until So that, having somebody yeah. who is familiar with the venue. Correct. I, I think agree. is That's important. And That's a good point. There is yeah. a value yep. to knowing that this company knows what this room is like. Yeah, yes. yeah. I agree. You know, but yes. look, yeah. I'm not going to go back through PTSD. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know about all the problems we had at our last event with audio, <laughs> and and that and that company was recommended by the venue. So I'm still highly encouraging you guys to ask around, yeah. right, yeah. or ask for or for references or something. Just try to get a feel for how good is this company. You know, what kind of job do they do? Because yeah. this cost gets expensive. For us, this was a significant increase offset by our significant decrease in catering, which was nice. Yeah. Right. So you, these are how you kind of balance things out. 
This podcast is powered by Handbid, mobile bidding and auction software that makes every event a smash. Visit handbid.com to learn more and schedule your free demo today. But, but yeah, and it is important though because, you know, if you're showing a video or you're, you know, you want to get up there and talk about your event or you have a live auctioneer that so you do want your AV to be, you know, if it, it you feel like you don't want to spend the money, but if it's not good, you potentially, this is one where I think you can lose money. People aren't going to be mm-hmm. engaged with your organization. They're not going to be listening to your live auction because right. they can't you hear. Can't, you can't play your video you right before your, right. your live you know, ask your hundred percent right. agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, things yeah. are always going to happen and people will, people are still there just to support your charity and it's not going to, you know, fully make that big of an event, but I think it does make a good, you know, it is an important part of an event that you need to make sure you have the right equipment to show. Related AV is Wi-Fi. I was just going to say, yeah. what about internet? <laughs> And yes, hotels gouge you on Wi-Fi. Okay, enough on internet. Should we move on? No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's a necessary evil, too. Yes, you need Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, especially if you're doing mobile bidding, and obviously we recommend you do that. (laughs) But your guests will go find internet connections if they don't have them. Mm -hmm. And you don't want them leaving the room to go find it. And you think that that's petty. It's absolutely true. Well, and if 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 your fundraise is heavily on mobile bidding, yeah. You need good internet. You need good Wi-Fi for that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, they're only going to go back to the app so many times before they just stop bidding. Right. 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 So that it's it's critical. And that's that's one of those things, too, that you make sure that's working before it gets started. You make mm-hmm. sure you have a number to call somebody if it goes down. The the venue that, that, that is providing that internet better have somebody there and ready to fix it. Right. And we always get asked this question, how much internet do I need? Because the hotel's asking me. We do help with some of this. So yeah. we, de- we do get these questions, and we're, we're definitely willing to help you. And a lot of it comes down to how many people are coming mm-hmm. and trying to understand how good is the cellular service in this room. Because if the cellular data service is good, honestly, I wouldn't advertise any Wi-Fi access. Mm-hmm. If it's Just not have a dedicated good, ne- network for what your team needs to do. Yeah, and... Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a guest network for those carriers that maybe have bad service, but just encourage your other ones to not get on it. But so it really does come down to that. And there, and there we've got some network testing guides mm. and stuff that will help you with that. And I know that does drive the cost in a lot of cases because you're looking at it and you're saying, oh gosh, like it's like, you know, a thousand bucks and I get like, some of them are by connection, right? Like I get a hundred connections for a thousand bucks. I'm like, mm, okay, that's that's pricey. What is it if you get 200 connections? Well, it's $1,900 if I get 200 connections. It goes down a little bit. I'm like, mm, okay. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have to ask yourself, do I want to do this or not? One thing, we there was one event we did every year. They refused to pay for Wi-Fi. It was four floors below the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's like 1,300 people that came to it. And it was just a mess. It's like... Ugh, you got to be kidding me. And so what would end up happening is they started selling a ticket, a Wi-Fi ticket. And people wanted Wi-Fi so bad that they were buying this ticket, and then we would give them a code. And so they had oh, bought no. – Yes, they had bought and, – and <laughs> so I think we, you kind of want people to be able to bid that. I agree. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, this is a little twisted, but fine. We can do this. So the, the hotel only charged them for activated codes. 
So the hotel gave them like, you know, 500 or 1,000 tickets with codes on it. And I'm like, if I'm the hotel, I'm not even going to be that nice. I'm just going to say <laughs> yeah. it's five grand for internet. I mean, yeah. there's no cost to the hotel. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's it's that's why Wi-Fi bothers me. And in most other venues, we don't see an upcharge usually. It's just included in whatever venue. Price whatever they have, they yeah. don't always have. Although Not we always have a good. Lot of, right, a lot of places don't have good internet though. So that's something to definitely look at when you're picking your venue. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we just we just had a client recently finish their event, and it's at their own venue, and they just spent five grand upgrading their internet. Yep. You know, but. It works, yeah. and they raised a hundred thousand in their event. So, and this is a one-time fee, right? You you pay for this stuff once. And they brought a guy in who set it all up, and man, that's a hump you need to get over with internet for yep. sure. But hopefully, wherever you're looking at a venue-wise, has good internet. And when we say good, like we're not talking. There's no Office Depot routers, okay? No Costco routers like this. If you have a lot of people mm-hmm. in there bidding, you need professional equipment and it's not it's not even that much money right a high density access point is probably 150 or 200 bucks and you can connect them into a router that probably costs 300 dollars, 400 dollars. so for a venue that needs to service 200 300 people could spend 800 to a thousand dollars and have perfectly good equipment right yeah right so but anyway in terms of wi-fi it's usually just a hotel thing we see but right? yep yeah. Okay, moving on. Okay, technology. <laughs> Were you waiting for this one? <laughs> so obviously technology, some people view it as a cost, right? And this, when we're talking about tech, we're talking about the technology you're using to sell your tickets, check people in, get them into the event, let them bid, mm-hmm. let them pay, and walk out the door, right? And everything in between, right? You know, now we have interactive polling, so you could ask them questions online or, you know, you could, you know, play games through there. They can buy raffle tickets or drawing tickets or whatever you're legally allowed to (laughs) sell. (laughs) Different podcasts, go watch it. So we like to say it's an investment, right? Would Mm -hmm. you agree with that or? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not putting you on the spot. You can tell me that our software's crappy if you want. No, 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 (laughs) no. No, it's been, technology's important, and it's an investment that we've made every year, obviously, and it's been, we're three years in, and it's been night and day of immediately bringing us to a, a legitimate fundraiser, right? I mean, it's it's easy for people to bid. More people are bidding. You don't have, you know, the items are right there in front of them. So without technology, you've got the paper and pencil, you've mm-hmm. got... You know, you got to rely on that. People are leaving. They're disengaging. Check-in. I don't even know what check-in would look like without technology. Let's not try it. Yeah, no, <laughs> we won't. I think you have a board member that might resign. Yeah. <laughs> she, it's taken her three years. To say, I need them to register. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. No, but yeah, absolutely, technology is important. And it's, and it's, it's really, when you look at the cost per attendee or the cost per fundraise, it is peanuts compared to what you know, you could lose if you don't have the right technology. It blows me away. People want to, they want to save 50 bucks here or there, or or this package is $50 less, or I can, you know, not implement this feature and I'm going to save, you know, a hundred dollars. And at the end of the day, if you're, if you're driving your bidders to disengage, 
your your what cost. is the cost of that right, right. Yeah. And, yes. and i don't think people see it that way and and so kind of twofold one there's probably only two things if you ask me there's two things in your event costs that are potentially going to generate more revenue for you one of them is probably the alcohol okay <laughs> <laughs> the other one is your mobile bidding technology yeah, yeah. right so it is as much of a revenue generator as it is a cost. And I'm not just talking about our software. I don't care what you're using. If you're using good software and it's keeping your bidders connected and engaged, they're bidding more, they're spending more. Well, and, and the, other, the other piece to that too is if you don't have somebody on your team or volunteers that know how to use that technology, having staff from that technology Mm-hmm. hand bid staff mm-hmm. at our events is, is critical because the first impression you have in an event is that check-in process. Right. And somebody can have pre-registered, given their credit card, given their number, got their paddle number, but they still have to go through the line. If they've done all that work already and they're still waiting 10, 15 minutes to get yeah. checked in, it's not that they're going to be upset and not buy anything, but right away they're like, oh, now I need a drink. Right. right? Yeah. It's just like... <laughs> It's get them checked in, have that as seamless as possible. So you need experts and people that know the software doing that part of it, and that's critical and also, for the technology. Not just knowing the software, knowing, knowing how to check events. people in. Knowing how to yeah. check yeah. people in, knowing yeah. how to <laughs> having knowing the experts that, yeah. doing that. If yeah. you don't have somebody on your team that can do that, then yeah. that's another part of the investment that is yeah. it's you know, it's it's human technology that you right. need to bring in there. And if you think paper bid sheets are cheaper, they it cost a lot more. Yep. And yep. people don't realize that. Well, and I think, too, I think the first year you go to mobile bidding, if you come from paper, you have to understand, I think there's also people that just don't like change, right? So there are those people that loved spending their entire evening blocking a paper sheet so they get an amazing deal on all this stuff, and you've taken away that fun for them. So Mm -hmm. you are going to get some people that are like, I don't like it, this is terrible, but Give them time and I think let them learn how to use technology and don't expect everyone to, uh, you know. Adopt it immediately. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's not good for you as an organization and good for, you know, people once they catch on. But some people just don't like change. The first time they get that notification that says you are now losing (laughs) item 674, then they're bought in because now they're watching it. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's critical. Well, the technology is definitely going to drive more revenue. The other thing it's going to do, though, is it's going to also reduce the stress of the team that's there. Mm-hmm. It's just going to it's going to take a lot of things and automate them. And so unless you're the type of person that loves, you know, 200 <laughs> people lining up at the event, into the event while you run around and grab 200 bid sheets and run back into a back room to kind of calculate out who won what. And right. most probably make an error and then have to go back and fix it. Or not be able to read <laughs> someone's handwriting okay. or, you know, whatever it is. Like, all, we've we've covered all these and we will do a podcast on the hidden costs of paper bid sheets because mm-hmm. it, it's a tremendous cost. And, you know, we had a client call us several weeks ago and they were they were revisiting this. They don't they didn't have the best Wi-Fi. You know, they had they tried mobile bidding last year and, you know, it was successful, but they had some board members that want to go back to paper. They thought it was better. And so she said, what do you think? I said, you're just going to make less money. And they all looked at me and like, how? And I walked them through it. And they're like, okay, we get it. Right? We we see that. Mm -hmm. And I said, you can't put a price tag on it because you don't – those are called opportunity costs. And so you don't know had – you know, if you think about how bid sheets work. So I put a bid sheet out. I have a price on there. 
Mike comes by and bids on it. I come by two minutes after Mike and I bid, but Mike's off to the bar now and he's talking to his friends. And mm-hmm. 30 minutes later, he comes back and notices he's been outbid. How many bids would he and I have gone through in that 30 minute period? And where would that item be at this point? Right. It's hard to know that. And so, and I mean, you can't open it early. You can't, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't keep it open till the last minute of the night and you know, all that kind of stuff because you got to tabulate bid sheets and right. remember well, all the staggered closings we yeah. used to do it's like oh we're going to close the closing the travel category everybody get ready and it's like why do i have to do that because i need time to go tabulate invoices the, the other so you said the two right you said that the alcohol and the technology right yeah. there's a third part of that 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 feeds in with both of those and that's the experience yeah mm-hmm. right and that's where when when we kid about me blowing the budget, that's where I absolutely spend top shelf, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, is the experience. It's a small giveaway to every attendee that comes mm-hmm. to it. It's the look and feel of the room or the event. But that experience is enhanced by an easy check-in, an e- even easier yeah. check-out, yep. the fun about competing with, you know, people across the room, mm-hmm. you know, in the bidding side of it. So to your point that the 30 minutes that go back and forth, you know, there could be some other people bidding in there, but you always get those two people that are going after it. And, right. and you know, who's... Yeah, you know, who's 115? An- another drink 115. Who's right. that guy, right? So, yeah. so, I mean, the experience is huge. And, mm-hmm. and diving into that part of, of, of an event is making sure everybody walks away with that was an awesome event, right? Yep. You mentioned entertainment. I don't know if that means having a keynote, having a comedian, having something there. I think it's all of it. It's all of it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's the whole event in itself. And part of the experience isn't just what you're giving to the attendees for going isn't the messaging, but it's it's the flow of your event that is just seamless. Mm-hmm. I think you're making a good yeah. point. You're tying a couple of things together and saying, you create a better experience, your guests are gonna donate more and bid more. There's not a formula we can give you for that. It's just, you know, 20 years of doing this will tell you that that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And so that can be the entertainment. Yep. It could be the check-in experience. You know, it could be just handing them a glass of champagne when they walk in. I mean, all of these little things that really kind of, you know, I would say diffuse any stress. You don't know where these people are coming from, right? I mean, especially if you're doing it on a Friday night, it may have been a bad day at work. The babysitter (laughs) might have been late, might have been horrible traffic. They're all grumpy, you know. Me and my wife getting a fight on the way there because we're late and I hate being late and now we're driving there and I show up and it's like, <laughs> you hand me a glass of wine and boom, all that goes away, yep. right? So yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think that's important to to kind of group all these things into that concept of the experience. And I don't think, honestly, I don't care how old your donors are and I don't care how old your board is. I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying this. Paper bid sheets are not a good experience. No. Right. You know, it's it's really not. You know, and I think people, when they get into mobile bidding, will see that. So, so let's talk about an, an, an element of that. And it came up earlier, right? That's, that also could be a significant cost related to mobile bidding, but might enhance the experience, staff. which is the staff. Staff. You know, mm. and maybe how much, how much time are you spending learning the software? How much time do you want to not spend learning the software? How much handholding do you want? I mean, all these things are going to factor into not just the company you pick, but, but how much money you spend with them, you know? And I think the ultimate goal needs to be, I just want to make sure it runs smoothly because I want a great guest experience. And don't assume for a second 
that, you know, it's one of those things where, hey, this software should just, it just should be so easy and so intuitive that I'm going to know everything off the bat. In most cases, you don't have the time to do that, right? right? I mean, you, if you use a certain software package for years, maybe you start to get comfortable with it, but you've got, let's think about all the things most of our event planners are doing. Right. Between mm-hmm. the venue, the caterer, the auctioneer and auctioneers have a lot of needs. We all know that, you know, to, <laughs> you know, the entertainment, the AV guy, making sure everybody shows up on time. And now you got to learn. And, and, and I don't just say just learn. You got to become experts. Expert. In, yep. You got to train the other people that you're volunteers. Yep. Right. You got to train all of them yep. and then you got to manage it. Well, the day of the event. I think even if you don't hire staff from the mobile bidding company, it's important that you have one or two right hand men, somebody else that you've worked with prior to the event that knows what they need to know for the day of because Mm -hmm. you can't be everywhere if you're the main person doing it, right? You can't be at check in, you can't be saying hi to guests, you can't be troubleshooting the last minute texts of change of guests and things going on so you need good volunteers and mm-hmm. right-hand man even if it's not or you be need to pay staff. somebody or they, or need, they need to be a staff person because let's just go to our event right and so for years and years and years even when we were using Hambit, obviously like you spent a lot of time at check-in right right and that was because you know you're the one that knows who bought what package you're the one that knows who's supposed to be sitting with who you're the one that knows how to move this person from table x to table y like all of those <laughs> things and well, like to me, it's like I don't want you at check-in. I want you out here talking to our biggest to the donors. donors. Yeah. We eventually hired staff. Yeah. Right. And it's like I mean, it's not because we don't know our own software. We know it inside and out. Right. Right. But it's because we don't need to be doing those jobs. Right. But I think so. What Mike said too is that it is important the guest experience and so i think a lot of time having somebody that's very familiar with the the event and the software and everything at check-in is important because when you do have somebody that my guest isn't on the guest list we call those solutions (laughs) tables now like we have you missed the last podcast yeah yes so we have Mm -hmm. solution centers or tables and and oh you need help like fixing your phone like yes. you go to that guy oh you don't want to sit with you know at least druckenmiller and ooh, okay you need to go talk to that guy right <laughs> and so but you got to get them out of that area fast and that's Correct. a whole other podcast mm-hmm. but and then and then you can have somebody who's more of an expert there but i'm just i'm not here to plug that you need to hire hand staff i'm really not and in most cases we would tell you not to and we are not a staffing company we don't want to bring eight people to your event to run your event we want to bring one smart person if you need it to help you with it in most cases. But all I'm saying is you need to understand that to create the experience, Mike, that you're describing, you got to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's it's beyond just, I know how to check someone in on hand, but no, I know how to run an efficient check-in. I know I need somebody greeting people at the door. I know I need somebody shuffling people into the venue so that, because people, I mean, it's so funny, they stand in line for 10 or 15 right. minutes and then they don't leave. Like you check them in and then they see their friends in line and they just stand there. It's like, ooh. So move this way. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So all of those little things that, you know, that we, 
that we see and that we recommend and you know mm-hmm. our staff knows and so that's the kind of stuff I'm I'm talking about and so yeah. we're thinking about event budget I honestly I do yeah it's investing in the time to either learn the software or if you don't have the time to really be the expert yep the night of the event then you need to have the budget to bring somebody on site to do that yep. whether that's a hired staff person that then goes in and learns handbid or whatever right. technology you're using but it shouldn't be you it shouldn't be your event planner because your event planner which would be you yeah. right is you got to be everywhere yeah you you know the answers to everything not just what's happening at check-in right yes. so you've got to identify who is that person yes and yeah. if you don't have that person on your team Yep. Then you need to hire somebody that can be that person. Yeah, if this yeah. is a first year transition, yeah. I would say, I would strongly recommend you definitely have someone there who knows what they're doing. Maybe yes. they work at another charity and they just know what yeah. they're doing. Sure. So it's it's totally possible to, to kind of figure that out. But okay, <laughs> we've we've spent a, a lot of time talking about costs. Are there any other costs that we want to mention or before we wrap up here? Well, I think one thing we didn't talk about is just how do you set your ticket prices and your how do you set sponsorships and okay, stuff like let's that. Let's do it. So, you know, I think sponsorships, it's fun to maybe label them based off of, so entertainment sponsor, if you're spending $10,000 on entertainment, like make an entertainment sponsor. If you're spending, you know, 15000 on the venue, venue sponsor, because then I think if you do get those higher end sponsors, you know, you can put their name all around what they're sponsoring and they feel like they're contributing, offsetting at a direct cost. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think... You know, I, I kind of like that from a sponsorship standpoint, if you have some top donors that are willing to do that. And then as far as ticket prices go, you know, and I guess I would throw this out there because I could see either way. I mean, do you make your ticket price try and cover all your expenses? And so pretty much then your fundraising, you know, is above and beyond that. Or do you pick a ticket price that seems reasonable to get people in the door to spend more money? Yeah. And I think... Depends on what you're doing that at the depends. event. We've yeah, seen both, yeah. right? So yeah. we, we recently went to an event where all of the sponsorships covered the cost and right. the ticket prices were their pure profit. Right. Most events, it's the opposite, right? So they're using their, they're setting their ticket price to a point where, you know, 150 a ticket or 200 a ticket times, you know, 100 people, that's 20 grand. Is, is that my cost? Right. And they're trying to cover as much of their cost with ticket prices. So I think you can go either way. You got to balance out like what you think people are going to be willing to spend. Right. And then understand the total cost of their evening. So, I mean, there's an Uber involved, there's a babysitter sometimes involved. And so these things, there's probably, if you're at least Druckenmiller, there's a dress involved for sure. (laughs) (laughs) True. So, you know, all of these things play, you know, kind of play a factor in what people are like, they're walking in the door and they've spent what already and what are you asking them to spend in addition? So I think ticket prices can get tricky like that. What do you, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I I look at it as I, I try to at least get something out of the ticket price mm-hmm. or the foursome price. But what I what I do on top of that is try to make the experience or the gift kind of equal that price. So mm-hmm. it's it's you know with, with you mentioned my my golf and my swag bags for golf, the player bags for golf. I do try to go above and beyond for a couple of reasons. One, if I look at it as marketing, right? I've played in a lot of golf tournaments, mm-hmm. and you get a swag bag that doesn't cost that much, the stuff that I'll never use, mm-hmm. never wear, never see the light of day. I'm still there for the charity. I'm still very, I still give to that charity. But when I've 
done my 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 player bags, whether it's a hat, whether this year it's, it's a pretty unique gift in a in a tote cooler bag that everybody's mm-hmm. getting, and that mm. that was pretty spending. It was about you know ninety bucks a player. But I'm working on how do I make this where somebody's going to walk away and go, wow, that was fantastic. I'd pay three hundred dollars to pay in that play in that tournament any day. Right. That's and that's just not even saying the the experience they get in the tournament. And then when they're there, they walk away and they're like, I should have given more. So we're on our third year. And I'm really, our, our numbers are higher than they were last year, which is the idea mm-hmm. from attendees. And now it's, now we're starting to look at how do we increase the costs. Right. But to get started on a non-established charity or a non-established event, I keep the prices to where I know I'm not going to lose. Right. But I can still give a good experience and that they'll come back and they're not going to balk at next year's prices if they're higher. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And look at what else, you know, other events similar to yours are charging in the area to kind of get a feel for it. So I think that works. We're going to wrap up. That was an awesome conversation and hopefully helpful for those that were listening into the podcast on everything from, gosh, alcohol to AV and sound and all the challenges we've had in the past (laughs) with sound to the food and how amazing some events have been that we've had food at and kind of food trucks and all the way down ticket prices and sponsorships. So it's been a good, very good conversation. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you back on another episode of Elevate Your Event. Until then, write us a five-star review or <laughs> share this share this podcast with your friends. You can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, whether that be Apple or Spotify or Google. You can just go to our website and go to handbit.com slash podcast and get all the other information. So we thank you guys for listening, and we hope to see you again on a future version of Elevate Your Event. Until then, happy fundraising.